Hello, it's the 23rd of August, the year of our Lord, 2023. Welcome back to Liberty Tactics. I'm here tonight, well, co-hosting tonight is not our Catherine, it's my favourite American. Oh, I get so excited when he's on the show, Mr. Dave Sumrall from Stop Hate. Hello, Dave. Hey, it's good to see you again, or hear you at least. I can see your picture, but it's good to be with you again. This is one of my favourite times to spend yeah. some time with you. It's always good. So our guest tonight um, was inspired, well, he's been on my show about a dozen times. He's probably done our show more than anybody's, actually. Um, he's totally loyal. He's fighting the fight in a place called Milton Keynes. He is the one, the only, John O'Looney, funeral director, the one and only. Hello, John. How are you doing, everyone? Hello, and thank you for having me on. It's lovely to talk to you again. Yeah, it's great to have you on. So me and Dave were having a conversation, I don't know, it was about three or four weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And we got quite certain things. And um, we're going to come to Dave's Dave's question and what he was saying to me. And I said, you're the person to ask, but we're going to get to that. Yeah. Firstly, what's been going on in the world of funeral directing? Um, well, I've just come back off having two weeks away. Um it, I, I missed probably half a dozen phone calls of people I had to turn away because it's a family-run business. Whilst I had a couple of weeks away, um, I'm now back and the phone started ringing again. It's not off the hook. It's it's considered quiet at the moment. But this was uh, obviously the business is seasonal. So in the winters, traditionally normal winters, you would see more deaths in the winter anyway. But in the spring, or, uh, and then throughout the summer, it's you know a bit more reasonable weather. And, People don't seem to die in as, as many numbers until now. It's kind of dragged out a bit, but the last, I would say, six weeks has been a little bit quieter. Uh, the ONS data would be very interesting to see. Yeah, it would be, because, um, John, if, can we just quickly, just for Dave and the American listeners, because Dave's going to be putting this out as well. Cool. Um, we, got in, we got connected, I think... July 2020, someone messaged me. I think you'd just done one interview. Yeah. Someone got in touch with me to say, you need to hear this guy. I got in contact with you. Well, you came on, you came did about an hour and a half. Um, and you really exposed the whole COVID scam because at that time, we'd only been in lockdown a couple of months, hadn't we? So this was July 2020. Just for the benefit of the listeners in America and Dave, what did you find during those times and what kind of experiences mm. did you have and you've had up until now? Because you've been out speaking, you've gone to government offices, you've yeah. done all sorts with big names and Mike Yeadon for one. So yeah. tell us, tell the American view, American listeners what life's been like since July and what's kind of happened to you during that period. Well, I've had people come up and thank me. I've been inundated, you know. And I think initially, whenever you, I cast my mind back, and it's interesting um, that July was talked about. It's such a long time ago. It's, it's remembering back, isn't it? A time it's three scale. years ago. But I probably knew it was a gradual awakening throughout 2020 because the lies being told generating um, COVID numbers. So very early in 2020, March time. I, about 12 weeks into the pandemic that I believed initially uh, I took a phone call and it was from a guy called John he worked for a company I was told I think it was called pandemic resilience or something um, he sounded legit he said that his job was um, it was a government sponsored company and his job was to ring all of the funeral directors 
that he was assigned to call and he would call every Monday and he would ask us um, several questions and, you know, it's part of the pandemic effort. So, of course, you know, why would you not give him that information? I don't, I don't want people to die from a deadly plague. So you try and play your bit. And because the doctors had stopped attending deaths, to, we were told to protect the NHS. Uh, um, people, they were verifying down the phone. So I was picking people up extremely quickly. Um, you, you know, it was uh, uh, the whole thing just didn't feel right. I remember getting... Um, uh, a phone call from, uh, sorry, an email from a Thames Valley Police Commissioner saying, well, doctors are not going to death now, you know, police are not going to attend unless you call us and ask us, um, because we're all in it together, you know, it's, <laughs> and it's only us, us turning up, so, um, but it felt, I'll give an example, so I would, this guy would ring up and the phone would ring, hi John, how you doing, uh, hi, uh, how you doing, and, and then I would give him numbers, how many I'd collected, where from, and how many were COVID was the basic, and, and what was the capacity of my facility to hold deceased, you know, the questions you kind of expect, and I would tell him these, and because no doctors were present, I was trying to find out as much information as I possibly could about each case to give them that information, i.e. if someone was COVID, I could tell them, and if someone wasn't COVID, I could tell them so that you could get an accurate, you know, figure. Um, so, but almost straight away, I felt that he was steering me, you know, and to give you an example, I'd say, well, I picked up a guy from a care home. He was, this is a big care facility in Milton Keynes, um, 350 rooms, I believe is a big one. Uh, and uh, anyway, I went to, the, to, to, to uh, this care home uh, and it, it was just, when you get there, you can kind of sense it. You know, things just don't feel right. I saw a discarded bottle of midazolam on the side once, um, and it was a drug that I'd never seen, and they were purchasing record amounts of midazolam that they'd used. Uh, and just throughout 2020, and this guy would insist, this guy had been in the care home five years, your know, onset dementia. I confirmed it with the staff. I confirmed it with the family. Uh, and then um, I... I, I kind of relayed that information he said that he had to be put down as a COVID case and I would say well why um, and he said because we'd heard that one death was a positive COVID test death so I don't mean they had COVID that means and they were testing these people post-mortem as well um, in some places I know that because I was told uh, and um, you know it just the whole thing wasn't right and that was and I said to him well why and he said well because one person died in there we've been instructed that everyone who dies in there moving forward from that positive test is COVID positive. And I'd heard of financial gain um, on the back of that. You know, if COVID was on a death certificate, they got a payment. Um, they played on the basic principle of greed and stupid. They've weaponized stupidity, haven't they? they anybody who died, because if we remember, the test came out, they couldn't. Yeah. They, 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 the guy who made them said they weren't 100%. Kerry Mullis. Yeah, Kerry Mullis. Yeah, they couldn't differentiate, couldn't differentiate. Yeah. They from, couldn't do it. No, they couldn't do it. So, but anyone who tested positive, which was really luck of the draw, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, of um, course. Even if they fell down the stairs a week later and broke their neck, because... They were COVID. We, we even had experience one. Days, wasn't it? Yes. It was six, I mean, 60, that's insanity. Yeah, one guy um, I heard of, was run over um, and uh, was put down as a COVID death. He, he spent a week in ICU, dying clearly, uh, and um, they kept they kept getting a COVID test on him. COVID test, COVID test. Keep spamming him until they got a COVID test. You know, a positive test that goes down as a COVID death. 
because there's a big payment for it, you know. And yeah. I, I'm, I've encouraged these people come out and tell us how much the payment was, you know. But they won't. They won't. Uh, it's um, they've been. We've got a lot of good people doing really bad things. Is my uh, why are they doing that? Money. Money. And we also had you also had the BBC turn up. Um, yeah. The local area BBC News to do yeah. So tell American listeners and Dave what. Mm-hmm. The BBC, what the BBC did. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, it was partly my own fault because I'd never done an interview before, so I, I had no experience and what to expect. But I took a phone call. I don't know, must have been 12, 16 weeks in, and I believed in COVID. You know, why would you not? If you go to the hospital and you connect to deceased, and they say, right, this guy um, passed away. P.S. He has tuberculosis. You won't open the body bag because of the spores of the TB can get down you. And, you know, if someone's HIV, for example, they can't be um, embalmed uh, because of the risk of uh, needlework and dealing with that thing. You know, I wouldn't force my embalmer to embalm someone that could give him something that could kill him or hurt him. You know, the idea is to keep things safe as well as compassionate. Uh, And um, when I was going down to the hospital uh, and picking these people up, some of them were swimming in fluid um labeled with covid they will if you get someone in a body bag usually there'd be a bit of um fluid you know everyone is we're i don't know 60 percent water or something aren't we Uh, um but these people were unnaturally full of you know the body bag was probably had a a gallon of fluid in it was awful and i was taking them out because these people had lost their loved ones over zoom calls in a hazmat suit, you know, how can you not look after someone's mum? You know, they want to spend time with their loved one, they've just lost them. Um, somebody's got to look after them. So that's what I was doing. I couldn't understand why I wasn't falling over, you know, because some of them I was picking up warm. And, and you know- You and weren't I, getting ill, you were, you were amazed, you hadn't- clocked Yeah, up. yeah, well, I, I, couldn't, um, I couldn't wear a mask because, I mean, I initially, I bought one out, but I panicked, same as everyone else the first few weeks, you know. Uh, and uh, I, I was wearing a mark, but in the end, I just couldn't work in it. You know, I was just trying to be careful wearing one of the lighter paper ones. And I just, you know, I just don't, I, you just saw through it more and more. The light, you know, the guy keep lying every week. Um, these people were coming in full of fluid and, and it, it was, they were all bloated where there was that much fluid in them that they were almost like they were going to burst, you know, uh, and the re- I found out the reason for that. Why would that, that happen? Why, why well, would that happen? So the the feeling is is kidney failure, um, and due to the medicine they were given after they got a positive COVID test, so they're going to hospital for a water infection. And I found this when I was a funeral director. I was getting families coming to me who'd lost loved ones, and nobody ever had COVID outside in the public, and then went to hospital. It all seemed to the certainly the people that I saw, they were saying their loved ones went in for a water infection, and tested positive. You know went in for a chest infection and then tested positive, you know. They all seemed to catch it in the hospitals, which I thought was a little bit strange. You know, you you, you kind of think, well, what are they doing then to stop it? Obviously not enough. But that's where they were consistently all coming from. And the shock in these people's faces when um, mum went in for a water infection, within a week caught pneumonia and then died of COVID, you know. It, and, of course, people that are full of grief are not going to question things, are they? They trust that uh, we have been conditioned to trust doctors implicitly. And it's very interesting that it's actually a growing number of real, what I call real doctors. And now speaking out, aren't they? Do you know, yeah. Adil Malhotra, um, 
Sam White, uh, Dr. Uh, Stephen Frost, Dr. Tess Laurie. The, it's yeah. the endless list. Dr. Mike Yeadon, even, you know, I've had the pleasure of his company uh, and who I speak to now and again. What a lovely bloke he is. Um, he's a guy who could have had a seat on the Ark. Yeah. And he, and he yeah. didn't. He, he, he forfeited that seat to tell the truth, you know, because he cares more about people than he does um, uh, about that profit and that evil, you know. it's. So the B let's get to the BBC and then I want to talk about some other experiences you had. Yeah, of course. So the BBC called me and they asked, um, said, can we come and do um, an interview? And I'd spoke to them a couple of times via the, um, radio phone-ins and stuff. They know me. Anyway, they came in. It was a, a camera girl and no it was a cameraman and a lady and we sat down and it's it's on there i think it's i don't know but march april uh, of 2020 and i believed in covid you know so they kind of sat me down and she briefed me for about 30 minutes uh, uh, on what questions they were going to ask uh, but also the responses they wanted um so and i didn't know any different you know i just did what i was told by the, by the reporter. So um, they also got me to wear a mask and an apron. I was a bit pissed off at the time because I thought, well, do you know, if this COVID really is deadly, I don't want to waste PPE for a camera shoot. Do you know yeah. what What are we trying to do? Are we trying to sell the story or is it the hysteria? You know, and I, I've obviously now come to realise it was the hysteria and it breaks my heart to think that um, I might have convinced someone to go and get jabs that have subsequently hurt them or harmed them, you know, because I didn't know myself back when i exactly. made that yeah and and then as 2020 went on and i was washing and dressing these people um it all started with um a family came in they lost a young girl uh, and this is at a time when the other funeral directors they weren't washing anyone so it, they would lay clothes on top of a coffin they were all frightened you know and i get that it's it's frightening isn't it you know when you're being showed people falling over and dying you know and i'm an ex-smoker of 55 and <laughs> you know, you, you're a prime candidate to get it and die. But at what point did we stop caring about each other? Do you know? Uh, and I'm really what shocked me was the stories I was hearing from the uh, coming out of the hospitals. You know, uh, the, for, I mean, I've got over a hundred nurses' details on my mobile phone. A hundred. Um, some of them have rung up. They cried down the phone. Some of them have rung up um, and said, I, "I've got a house, car payments, and four kids." I have to do what I'm told, even though they know it's not right. And things are very, very wrong in these hospitals. So anyway, the BBC did this interview and it, I said exactly what she told me to say. And I bitterly regret it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but at the time, you have to remember, this was 12, 16 weeks in. I never knew about Agenda 2030. I never knew people were, they hadn't even rolled the vaccines out yet. Do you yeah. know, it, it was so I kind of believed it and I wanted to help. You know, I'm a guy, I think it's one thing is clear. I'm a guy who cares more about other people than I probably do myself. Yeah. That's that's why I put my ass on the line with no thought for me, really. Um, and per perhaps not enough for those around me, you know. So, so for me, it, uh, it has been, but I care about your family. It's, you know, is my life worth hundreds of thousands of other lives? Of course it is. Mm -hmm. So I, I once I realised what was going on, what was I, the defining moment when you realised that, hang on, this is, nothing's making sense? Well, I, I think in the end, I just wasn't seeing any COVID deaths. There were no numbers. I've got a, a sheet on the wall, uh, you know, like a planner. Yeah. And I can cast back over the five years and I can see. And there was probably slightly more funerals in 2019 than 2020, you know. Uh, winter flu, always a predominant killer uh, during the winter time. Um, just was disappeared. It was all COVID. And it was clearly all orchestrated. 
you know, when you're all pulling together in, in the middle of a pandemic, why do you need a, a, a financial incentive reward for putting down on a deficit the name of the plague? When you, you know inevitably that's going to generate fake data. This, this, you know, it's driven by greed because they know they're going to get a big payment. So, But what it meant subsequently was, I mean, by October, the guy, John, who's uh, from Pandemic Resilience, rung me. And he, uh, it's surprising how you can get to know people quite well, even in a one-minute conversation every Monday. You know what I mean? After five or six months. Oh, morning, John. Oh, this week, I put, you know, we'd be on first name terms. I knew him. He knew me. And he openly admitted to me down the phone, I don't know why I'm doing this job, John. Everyone is saying the same thing. There's no one dying of COVID. And that I, on my child's life, I promise you, that is, I will swear to God, I, I, you know, I would never lie about something this big. Why would I lie? You know, for all those that think, I, oh, no, it's full of crap and full of crap. Do you know how much I've made out of this? Nothing. It's, I don't want to take, I can't even take petrol money off people when I travel two hours to speak. I can't bring because it feels like blood money. You know, I'm not set. I'm, I'm not selling um, a range of masks like Anna Breeze was. You know, a truther selling a range of masks on a website at one point. You know, it's uh, there's lots of people in there. Some of them uh, are in it, and it's about them really. It's never been about me. It's never been about me. You it's know, about the information and warning other people now. Dave, have you got any questions up there? Because we're going to go on. I'm going to go move on to what John started seeing when the vaccines were introduced. But have you got any questions up to now for him? No, you know what? I'm doing really good. I'm enjoying this so far and learning a lot of background. I, I'm writing some stuff down for a little bit. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, so when the vaccine, what started happening? When did you, you woke up and realized there weren't COVID deaths, that you were doing the embalming, you know, and you shouldn't have been. Um you know, you were cleaning people up, you were dressing them when you weren't supposed to. Well, when was... did you start seeing death start to rise? So, um, to be honest with you, the deaths only started to rise once they rolled the jabs out. There was a brief blip in April, May, uh, uh, March, March, April of 2020. They called the first wave, and it wasn't the first wave. It was the euthanizing the elderly in care homes with drugs like midazolam and morphine under government policy, and that's been well documented. You yeah. know, um, I spoke to dozens and dozens of care home staff beside themselves with grief. Many of them have just left, you know, to be replaced by agency people is um it's a really it's a very very sad uh, a very sad tale but ultimately it was they rolled the jab out locally on january the 6th in milton Keynes, and the moment they rolled the jab out the phone was off the hook uh, um i would estimate the the death rate was about three times what it should be about 300 percent increase instantly instantly the moment the day that they started putting the needles in well um, so it was obvious, and it, and it's waking up is not a go. If you get ten people, Lou, uh, and you film them and all lying in bed, uh, and Big Brother's a great thing to watch for you. It used to be for human nature. Some yeah. of them, some people wake up in the morning, they go peeing, and they're wide awake, aren't they? And yeah. they they sick of me because I'm not that fresh in the morning now. And, and, so, right. and, and some people wake up so gradually you can't talk to them for about 15 minutes and they're walking around the kitchen like that. And and it's very much like that in the situation we currently face. Yeah. It's been a gradual awakening. So for me, I woke up quite quickly because I was putting loads of young people in coffins who don't usually die. You know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, that 
you know, it's just not right. I was getting people coming in and we were struggling to embalm them. That was the other thing. So my embalmer came to me and he said to me, uh, the pump's playing up. I think we need to get service. It's like a silver unit uh, and there's pipes coming out and you connect those pipes um, to, and we make an incision. When you embalm someone, I'll, t I'll tell people so they can- Interesting, John, hang on, because this is the question me and Dave were talking about. Dave said, go on, Dave, tell, him, tell me what you said. You want to know- well, I'm curious that, you know, we've been uh, removing blood from people for, you know, a long time. I'm just wondering the purpose of it, other than to, you know, make the body last a little longer. I can understand that if they had a funeral in weeks away or something. But I, I, my curiosity is, why do we remove the blood other than pooling and puddle? I get all that, too. But, you know, if it's a quick funeral, and then where does the blood go? What, what do you do with the blood that you take out of um, these people? So the blood goes straight into the sewage system with most biological fluid waste. So it's processed through a filter and it goes into the, the sewage system, the sewers, basically. Wow. Yeah, that's wow. that's happened since time immemorial in the same way as blood, um, sick, we um feces that it all goes into the sewage system and you know biological liquid waste is is no different really we don't put um physical material down the phone but uh down the but blood urine yes certainly body fluids um they're, they're flushed away yeah but so you said you didn't involve embalm the hiv patients but they they did want you to continue to embalm the the COVID patients? Uh, no, that was a choice that I made because so when people come to me, there, there's a broad spectrum of mindset, especially when you're grieving. Some people are desperate to see their mum. Their mum's been in hospital. They lost them over an asthmat suit. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. They must see their mum. So I would always say to people, do you know what? I never knew your mum, but, but would she want you to see her anything than her best? So we charge the cost of the fluids only um, to, to get encourage people if they want to visit to get them embalmed. And it keeps mm -hmm. them in bed. To give you an idea, my missus lost her dad four years ago and he came through the business and he was found um, passed away at home. He died suddenly and um, he looked terrible, bless him. And we bought him here. I've got a, the, probably one of the, what I consider one of the best embalmers in the country. And mm -hmm. he, he made him look so that my missus could go in and have a cup of tea of him every morning for the 10 days before the funeral. So yeah. it, gives, it gives people comfort. The, the fluid is also pink. So it flushes the skin and makes it look like you're asleep. Okay. Okay. That, that, that explains a lot. Those are good questions. Good. Um, so, so anyway, we were struggling to to embalm these people. Um, yeah, anyway, I, I went and had a look at the pump and it's got a pressure gauge on the front. Um, it goes up to a certain number and it was doing the same number. So I know the, the problem isn't the pump. So then we re, redone all the tubing um, and it's all clear. It's pumping well. You can feel the pressure, on, but it won't pump the fluid around these bodies very well. And it's not unusual with someone who is very old and very big overweight because they get blocked arteries you know traditionally i don't think that's uh, an unknown thing but this was in young people you know um kids people in their 30s people in their 40s it, it was um you know and it was consistent as well where so usually when you do an embalming you make an incision but know the neckline um and the idea is you can button the color up to hide that you know and put a tie on and someone looks you know smart mm -hmm. when when they reach heaven i guess uh, and um we, we then pump formaldehyde all around the body from the main carotid artery now we were struggling to do that and we we're also finding white obstructions 
you know so there's two types of embalming there's what we call a straight case and there's a post-mortem case now a post a straight case is just a person that's died it's an expected death they haven't had an autopsy or post-mortem so they're intact for want of a better word and we use one incision generally for them it'll do the body uh, a post-mortem case when they've had the post-mortem they cut them down the front they take the sternum out they empty the cavity test all the organs look for signs of reason for death and then they put them into a bag the bag goes back into the cavity the cavity is sewn up um with, with like a twine um it's quite crude but it you know it, 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 the person has passed there's no blood pressure or anything like that so, so we had a young guy came in um who'd had a postmortem. he died suddenly his family had asked us to embalm him and we embalmed him and when we opened him up and took a look if you can imagine you take the bag out of the cavity and then you're looking for the major arteries that have been severed during the post-mortem process because they have to cut these organs out you know to, right. to be able to right. so if you picture it there's a l-shaped nozzle that nozzle goes down the end of the the uh, uh, artery you then clamp the artery onto the nozzle and you turn the pump on and it puts formaldehyde throughout someone and you can see it because it's pink as it goes down the leg you work the joints and you can see the fluid going down but this young lad we couldn't get into his arteries because they were chock a block with white like a white obstruction and he called me my embalmer came out and he called me said have a look at this and um, we look we were looking down an ephemeral artery so at the top of the hip from inside the body cavity and the artery was 90 percent blocked uh, to where he couldn't get the embalming nozzle in that's how mm. we discovered it and then he gets tweezers because you manually remove the obstruction and he's pulling and pulling and pulling and he pulled out uh, a white piece of a perfect almost a perfect perfect cast of his artery from hip to ankle and it was uh it was red and when it washed off it was bright white light and it very much resembled calamari now I worked for the coroner. Uh, I've done. I'm a funeral director for 16 years. Uh, nearly 10 were work, spent working for the co-op, um, and during that time, seven years of that, I spent working for the coroner. So I was recovering bodies for the coroner, uh, and that duty basically means I have an extra mobile phone. And if that phone rings and there's a road traffic accident with a fatality, or or uh, a house fire, or a suicide, or someone's discovered a body. You go and convey the deceased from that point when you're clear to do so to the coroner's office, which is situated at the hospital. Um, so I've seen the inside and outs of more people than uh, certainly any doctor in general practice. I'd hear that now. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I'm pretty familiar with anatomy. I might not know the Latin name for each tendon, ligament and ventricle, but I can point them out and tell you what does what because I show an interest in what I do, you know, and I've been doing it a long time. And this guy had stuff inside him that I've never seen before. Um, I emailed the coroner and said, look, I've found a very strange growth inside this guy. You know me, I, I'm, you know, I'm a bit concerned. Have you got samples? I know you've seen him because he'd had a postmortem prime to come into us, you know, um, by the same people. And I, I sent an email because I wanted a paper trail. I wanted someone to acknowledge what I was seeing, you know. Um, and as I said, I've done 16 years. My embalmer has done 21 years. He's BIE certified. So that's British Institute of Embalmers certified. Um, and, you know, we've never seen this. Uh, anyway, I, I got usually I get a reply to an email quite quick, but nothing. 
And I thought, well, I, I will leave it a couple of days. And anyway, the phone rang and it was a girl from the coroner's office who is not involved in the process. She's a admin. So they're not directly or complicit in anything or, you know, they're good girls. They, I think they'll know the numbers are wrong compared to what they were. They know because right. they're doing more work, you know. Um, and they said, no, we spoke to the pathologist. They're happy. Um, they've got all they need. Um, you can discard the sample. And he said this grows inside people post-mortem. So basically when you die and everything stops and your heart is still and your blood isn't flowing, rubber grows throughout your arteries. Doesn't sound right to me. No, it isn't right. It's bullshit. You know, it's, yeah, it's, um, and I've got some photos that I can ping over to Lou to illustrate what we found from this guy. And it was um, then uh, I'd heard, um, uh, I watched an interview by a guy called Richard Hirschman. God bless him. He's a lovely man uh, and a, a real hero. He's in Obama, um, uh from America in Alabama. He's been in Obama, I think, 25 years now. He's, he's self-employed, so he's what's called a trade embalmer. So there are two types of embalmers in the industry. Some work for themselves and freelance from funeral home to funeral home, getting paid by the job, to, for want of a better word. And some are in-house. I like to have one in-house because they take better care of your deceased, you know, if you've got your own expert in-house, doesn't it? You know, it's just, I could go, Damien, and he's on it, you know. Um mm. So it kind of works well. And and that's um but but he's been seeing exactly the same thing. Uh he's finding he talks about all these white blood clots and what are they and nobody seems interested. When we contact the authorities, they don't want to know. And uh, and anyway, I watched his video and that kind of made me look a little bit harder for it. And I found it in this young lad of 30. Um and you have to remember as a small funeral director, I do probably two three four funerals a week um and so there i don't work on an industrial scale but i still know the industry and i know what is right and i know if all of a sudden young people are dying you know when i worked for the co-op i worked there uh nearly nearly 10 years and in that time uh, we were doing about 800 funerals a year at the co-op in this particular branch and i could count the amount of people who died under 50 on one hand um, and yet i've seen that um, even when COVID was gone in some months, uh, as a small funeral director, you know, and I probably do a quarter of what they they do. It's it's just undeniable. And I think what is upsetting more is the reaction from the very people that are supposed to be looking after us. I know they're frightened, you know. I know we're all slaves to the moneylender. But if you don't stop and start telling the truth and speaking out, um, there is no future for any of us because my future is their future as well. You know, that's the right. money, the money's all about to go pop anyway. That's right. So what money, you know, um, it's just worthless bits of pay. I just can't believe how stupid and selfish people are, but people do anything for money now, don't they? You know, money, With, they don't worship, life. they don't worship God anymore. They worship money. That's right. Well, they, they're God and it's not our God. That's for sure. And, and this is systematic. It's not just in your industry. No, yeah. I've had, um, I, and I, of course I started talking and, and, Tell, think, tell, well, tell Dave about what happened to you when you were stopped, you know, because you did, I think I was the second show you did, but then you went, you went like everywhere and then you got ill or something happened to you. Just yeah, so so um, I, I spoke extensively and I was basically, I talk, I can't even remember who I've spoken to. I talked to anyone that would listen who has right. e even one listener because the idea is to save lives. And it's a numbers game. It's a numbers game. We have to have too many of us for them uh, until they openly have to kill us. 
That's you, right. You know, and, and I think it's now it's just a case of waiting for people to wake up, isn't it? You yeah. know, it's yeah, it, it's yeah. um. But so come on, tell us the story. What happened to you? Oh well, when I fell ill. So I've had a number of people reach. I've spoke to people that I, I wouldn't even have believed that I've spoken to, and it's really humbling because they actually look at you. Um, uh, people say how brave I am. I can't see it. I can't see it. To be honest, I with understand. You. I understand. But, You're just right. There's not bravery. You. There's no well, choice. No, well, no, that's it. It's a moral conscious. Uh, 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 so this guy rang me um, and he said that he was British intelligence. And usually I'm very, you know, you get crank calls all the time. Um, I, I'd, uh, um, one this morning, a Provax nutter was screaming, speak to me, speak to me down the phone. And I know his <laughs> voice. So, I, I, you know, I haven't got the energy to, to be arguing. But um, uh, yeah, so, so where was I? You had a call. Yeah, the, I, I had a call. Um, uh, call about what I've lost my train of thought. Sorry. Uh, from a um, intelligence. Oh, so yeah, this intelligence guy rang me up. Um, and usually, you know, they say I'm British intelligence. I say I'm Batman and we laugh. And But this guy seemed legit. He was an older guy. He wasn't an agent. He was in comms. And he told me a few things. He told me about the young men coming over uh, and suggested they are being trained by the UN to police over here. Um, and I've heard that from more than one source. He also told me that I would be... Um, targeted as a person of interest um and three weeks to the day i suddenly fell ill um i went into hospital they um uh, did three covid tests on me uh, uh, uh lateral flow because i wouldn't do the pcr and all of them were negative and she said you haven't got covid so they put me on a covid board anyway you know work that one out and um in the morning the um consultant sat down on my bed um and he said to me hi he said i'm going to save you from covid Okay. I said, have you even looked at my notes? I haven't got COVID. I've done three of your tests. These are the tests that you're putting people on palliative care on the basis of. Are you telling me your tests are sending people? No, 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 no. We just want to be sure. You know, he lost his train of thought. He started getting flustered. Um, so anyway, he said, I said, okay, how are you going to save me from uh, COVID? I haven't got. He said, with remdesivir. And I said, no, you're not. And he was astonished. You know, he'd offered to save my life. He so effectively told me I would die without the medicine that he offered me. You know, so I said, right. I said, will you tell me the clinical benefits of remdesivir to me as a respiratory patient? Because I, I don't agree that I'm a COVID patient. I said, while I look up the side effects and what effects those side effects would have on a respiratory patient. So, guys, what I want you to do now is a simple thing. Google side effects of remdesivir a good place to go is drugs.com and have a look through wheeziness tight chest high blood pressure kidney function difficulty breathing so you know, why would you give that why would you even do you know why they do it because they're paid to do it that's government policy and that's the protocol that's it it's government policy <laughs> so Dr. Ardis confirmed basically he was we had a show and we were talking about remdesivir yeah of course i well I, when i did the grand uh, with rhinoformic what was it called? Uh, a big thing that he did anyway. And I gave my testimony um, and the, they gave you three hour slots, you know, so you know you're going to be talking. You have to be logged on between, say, six and nine. And anyway, Sodslaw, I logged on at six and he said, right, you're on at nine o'clock. I was like, you know, here's what it is. So I thought I'd listen. Um, and the two people that spoke before me, one of them was um, about the PCR test. And the other one was about remdesivir and the history of remdesivir and how Fauci took it into Africa and murdered babies with it. 
Um, yeah, and they, so, were trying so, to get, they were trying to jab you in the hospital. With that. Yeah, so basically, um, so, no, so, well, I, only you have to consent. You have to yeah, consent yeah. and you have to sign a waiver. So, and I wasn't going to, you know, I said, no, I ain't going to. Yeah, well, you'll die without. I said, well, do you know what? Then I'll die. Uh, and um, then about four hours later, the same day, I had a, a skinny girl sit on the end of the bed. Um, she looks like a junior doctor, maybe, yeah. uh, but she wasn't. She said, I'm from Oxford University. She said, I'm here to save your life from COVID. The exact same line, almost like it's come out of a World Economic Forum book of coercion. Right. Wow. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, Muppets. You know, I worked on the door seven years. I'm not stupid. I can yeah. read people like books. Uh, and she oozed guilt. She couldn't even make any eye contact. You know, she's sitting there saying about saving my life. Can't look at me. You know, she was talking to the wall, the floor. And um, anyway, <laughs> she said, um, well, we just want to be sure. Same, same bullshit. Uh, yes. excuse my language and and um she i said well how are you going to do that you know i haven't got covid i've had three of your tests these are the tests that you're putting people on palliative care the same thing because i wanted to make her feel stupid you know because she she oozed guilt it was so obvious so she yeah. said um i said well what are these drugs then she said one of them is called barra uh nib and it's used for chronic arthritis the other one was called uh toxilizumab so baricitinib and toxilizumab. Now, uh, she said she'd save my life with them, but I need to sign a waiver. <laughs> but you know what yeah. I mean? It's like, yeah, uh -huh. it's insane. Yeah. Oh, I said, well, I, I, well, I kind of said, all right, then. I said, let's have, and I, I was playing with them then, you know. Uh -huh. uh, let's have a look then um, and see what the side effects are. And if they're, oh, look, difficulty breathing, difficulty swallowing, blisters on throat, you know, uh, all the same stuff that would actually finish you off. And now wow. I was I was in a ward, room one of ward 22, I think it was. There was a COVID ward. And there was two guys, there was four bed. This one was empty. There was two um, guys opposite me. And they'd obviously been coerced. They didn't know, they weren't armed with the truth like I was. So when they said, we're going to save your life with a drug and this is it, do it, doc, do it. You know, and, and they'll sign on the doc. Why would you not? But I went in there already having liaised with the likes of Mike Yeelan, Dr. Tess Laurie, and all of the doctors, you know, there's some wonderful doctors have reached out to me. There are good doctors about. There's good and bad in everyone. It's only 1%, isn't it? If that, that, that spoiled this world. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That's, it's, it may be a little bit more than that right now, but. <laughs> oh, a hundred. Well, I, do you know, the thing is, is these people, why are they doing it? There's no way they can coerce them all, uh, or bully them all and threaten them all. It's money. But That's once right. they realise money's not worth anything, and and these promises, there is no seat on the ark for these people. Their future is our future, and and mm. it's at what point uh, the sleeping wake up and realise the horror, and the people orchestrate and realise they're actually committing suicide, because these people are being used like tools, and much like a tool, they'll be discarded when they finish their purpose, and yep. they're loose ends and they're witnesses, and we all know what people like these due to yep. loose ends and witnesses you have car accidents you commit suicide you know you, you're found dead it's it's um that but they need to realize how can you trust someone that kills their own people yeah women children babies you know so graham brady was told in 2021 so this is an interesting one so in september of 2021 i took a phone call i'd been really vocal i'd tell everyone that i listen because it's the truth that's it um and uh, this guy said uh, was Mark Sexton. I'd heard of him. He's a retired police constable and a gentleman, by the way. 
Uh, yeah, he's a, he's a lovely soul. He saved me. He come and got me out of the hospital. Um, so um, he said to me, we've got a meeting. Uh, we'd like you to attend and give your testimony during that meeting. It's going to be with a couple of uh, government ministers in Westminster. This is the address. The, it was 21st of September and it was a two o'clock meeting and it was uh, in a place called Birdcage Walk. Um, boardroom number one of, of all of all rooms it was lovely the the table was probably about like that it was you know beautiful place um anyway uh one minister turned up one of them i uh, didn't turn up mark sexton will know who that would have been i wouldn't i did um wonder if perhaps it was andrew bridgen uh but i i don't know you'd have to ask mark he seemed um but the MP had a personal emergency and couldn't come. The one that did attend was a guy called Sir Graham Brady. Now, Sir Graham is a very interesting uh, and weak character. He um, is the commissioner of something called the 1922 Committee. Now, that's a group of people, very senior politicians that sit in the shadows. Most people are more bothered about Love Island, but this is this is who this guy is. And he hires and fires prime ministers with his group of cronies in the shadows, out, out of the spotlight. So he hired and fired Boris. He hired and fired um, the lady no one's ever heard, Liz Truss, um, okay. uh, after a very short period, which makes me wonder if perhaps she was a force for good. Um, and he hired Rishi Sunak, you know. So, so he's, there is no one more senior in British politics than him. And he openly admitted. Uh, now, uh, first of all, we had five minutes to speak. I said my bits um, about what I'd seen. Uh, and then it went around the table. And to give you an idea, uh, Professor Dolores Kale was there, Dr. Mike Yearling, Dr. Sukarit Bakhti, Dr. Stephen Frost, Dr. Sam White, Dr. Tess Laurie, Anna de Bisseray, Philip Hyland, Francis O'Hore, and, and a, a lady called Diana, and a number of others, about 18 in total, 12 were at the table. Five or six were on the screen at the end of the table via the Zoom, very much like now. Um, Sukrit Bhakti being one of them. And everyone, they told him, I listened in disbelief. I just couldn't believe what they were saying. They said that um, it, it was suspected that if someone had had an active ingredient in this platform, they had between two and five years. Um, and they went in to try and explain the mechanisms behind that. Um, so that people with no um, intent, um, knowledge in the field could understand it, you know, uh, and basically it reprograms your immune system and turns it against you. So that then um, culminates in an illness uh, and death, and there's your pandemic, you know, but it's long acting. Um, also, <laughs> they, they talked about uh, what they felt the jabs were, and it was a Russian roulette, basically. So they've mixed them all up. And the idea being is if you went and got a jab and it was a deadly jab designed to kill, you wouldn't do everyone. You'd just do a scattering because it wouldn't take long for people to click on and actually, do you know what? I don't think we'll bother. Um, and that which has happened now, isn't it? It's just far too late for someone, I think. is They thought about it very, very deeply. They've planned it to almost to perfection. I think the one thing that AI can never do is it cannot appreciate the love that we have for each other. And right. the, the thought of you losing your children and your wife and you being chronically ill, full of cancer, or I would do anything I could to stop that. Um, and that's what I've done. So the, the only thing I can do is talk and tell the truth and I'll keep doing so. Um, you know, John, you're an absolute, you're just a legend. You really are so, 
where are we up to today then? So it's it, it, it is it a bit quiet? Yeah, it's eased yeah. off. It's eased off now, just a little bit. Well, we're gonna, they're starting the big push now. They're yeah, of course. Uh, and this is what makes me think they've changed the protocols for a short length of time while they fine tune what they're going to do in the next lockdown and when they need deaths to back up um, a lockdown. That I would suggest that anyone that's in these care homes and hospitals as right up until they announce that lockdown and then they're going to nail them all because they've got to support that pandemic, haven't they? They've got to be seen, they have to see deaths. So um, this is why I suspect, I think protocols have been changed to get people that are dying, just hang on in there. I do wonder if that means that this next lockdown is quite imminent. Um, Well, I personally think it's going to be running up to November. Yeah, uh, well, winter flu time, the the winter flu. The election. Like, yeah. like, it, like they're doing everything they can they're like impeaching Trump they're doing everything yeah Dave, of course what are your thoughts on that because that's originally why COVID came out you know they had this plan they had to do it Trump messed it up you know this they had to lock down the world yeah it's it's a job to know I think um if we're to win this war and to survive victory will come from America and yeah. then the rest of the pack the pack of cards will fall quite quickly um, what do you think? What do I, you think? I, I kind of I never know whether these big characters are part of the theatre and well on the agenda. They're in the club as well. And it's all smoke and mirrors just to give you, because while you're waiting for a miracle, you're not fighting to survive. Are you? You're not planning anything because you're relying on this great hope that this thing that we've been, you know, but the bottom line is, is if it doesn't appear, the only thing we've got is each other. Exactly. I just so, want to save in and see what he his thoughts about why this next pandemic is 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 going to be coming do you believe it's all to do with november i you know i do and i, I see it as just a culmination you know and, and what we're seeing is an attack on all fronts it's been a long time there's a lot of you know long uh strategy involved with this that that we as a people i don't care which side of the pond we're on we just don't pay attention we're busy we have our lives and our kids and our you know things to do or whatever and, and we're not as concerned and I was talking to my friend about it this morning. As long as we have our entertainment and our 40 hour a week job and Mm. bills, then then we seem to be really just passive and to the point of our own detriment, you know, and I I commend you brother for your, you know, compassion for people, because that's, that's really what it comes down to. And these politicians, not so much. It's the power Mm. and control. And, And I can't for the life of me, figure that out. I can't understand how somebody would sell out, you know, fellow humans for any kind of, personal benefit it just doesn't but but there are people like this the power is what it's all about but i think you nailed it when you said they're no different than us at the end it's like the bank robbers that you know do the job and get shot when the guy takes the money at the end i mean yeah yeah, of course Uh, 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 you know if if we we're dealing with people who can order the murder of children and babies now look at the very interesting one to substantiate what i've said is there's a guy in Australia called Dr. What is his name? Luke Mc, uh, Mc, I can't remember his name. Dr. Luke. Let me just see if I can find it. Luke. Luke. Let's have a look. I can't. Uh, McLennan, McLaren. Somebody will know out there anyway. Uh, this guy was head of fertility at the Mater Hospital. Um, and I pinged him an email just to verify he is who he said said he was you know and i got a reply of him that was quite pleasant and nice and told me and he keeps the numbers so basically what's happened in uh in a 
Australia is the normal miscarriage Dr. rate. Um, Macaron. Sorry? Dr. Luke Macaron. Uh, Luke McClellan. Matchy Heron, Australia. I'm not sure if that's his name. I'll have to I'll have to look it up. But really? but ba basically, he keeps the figures for the miscarriages, and and the normal miscarriage rate in women is between five and fourteen percent, and occasionally peaks at sixteen. Historically, it happens. Um, but the miscarriage rate in vaccine recipients since the rollout is seventy six percent. I watched. Yeah, I watched. Um, uh, 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 Malcolm Roberts, the senator, is it over there, or Malcolm McDonald, one of them, and he was talking in Parliament about the officially recognised drop in birth rate of sixty-seven percent. Wow! You know wow. what can't people see? And it's very interesting because on the news here at the moment, there's Lucy Letsby's story of this wicked nurse who's um, allegedly killed um, seven babies uh, and hurt six others. And the uproar, you know, and it's interesting watching the reaction of those playing for the puppets. There's the uh, Pretty Patel, you know, demanding an inquiry and wants to know why concerns raised about Lucy Letsby went and, you know, and I, I, I kind of sat there and I thought, well, yes, it's heinous what she's done. Don't get me wrong. It's unforgivable. And I would um, give her the gallows. But um, nobody's saying anything about the thousands and thousands of babies that are dying, that are no. being born dead. These That's are right. murders. They're murders by design. It's done well, by design. Um, they didn't. They, they didn't say anything. Sorry, Doctor Luke McClendon. It is. Yeah, that's the one, Dr. Luke McClendon. And my apologies, Dr. McClendon, um, for forgetting your name. Um, I, like I say, I only spoke to him once uh, just to get, verify he was who he said he was. And um, they don't seem that, you know, there's there's all this furore uh, and all these MPs and the MP for Chester has called for a public and national inquiry. And but what about the thousands that have died of babies that are not being born? And that's nobody right. wants to. Yeah, nobody wants to know They they. um. They'll cry tears like they're bothered. And I can tell you, these people look at us as livestock. Nothing they more. Do. You're traded. Your birth certificate is traded. Uh, don't believe me. Look into it. Well, it's no different than the abortion. You know, we, we, we've seen this for years and years and years. And, and, and you know, hey, that's acceptable murder. Yeah, of course. And then we sugarcoat it and everything else. This is no different. But I see the, the reproduction issues as something that people have kind of forgotten about already. You yes. know, when you're about strategy and long game we're still worried about how does it affect me and my life and my income and my job and my travel not how does it affect my grandchildren that i may never have because my kids are going to be sterilized from this thing well so that's I, that's exactly yeah I, I i think the mistake i made was thinking everyone's wired the same as me and i would raise it because everyone was a bit scared because uh, i know they're all seeing what i'm seeing you know, sure. some more than others. I mean, inevitably, um, funeral directors are human as well. Some of them will be deeply indoctrinated, four jabs in, and they'll sure. really believe in COVID. Um, I don't, and neither do a growing number. You know, Richard Hirschman, Wallace Hooker, Brenton Faithful, Laura Kasner, uh, and, and the, the other Laura, the, there's a guy called Wesley, another funeral director here has been speaking out. They are out there, you know, um, and the idea being is, you know, uh, that they look at me. I'm sure if these people are going to get me, they would. Tell the truth. Tell the truth so that when your kid in the future looks at you and say, and you tell him what life used to be like, and, yeah. and he says to you, well, what did you do then, Dad? Yeah. You, so that you can tell him what you did. That's right. Do you know? That's um, but that's amazing, John, because when we did our first interview, Black in July mm. uh, 2020, 
there was no one. And even I think on one of our second interviews, which was I think in the October, mm. I think about six shows so far, um, even then they were all kind of scared. They yeah, were all clear. scared you were the only one. I knew, one. I knew for probably four or six weeks I'd made my mind up. Really, when everyone started dying by April of 2021, I knew. You know, and then obviously when I sat in the meeting with, so I, be honest with you, I still had delusion. When we got called to this meeting with a politician, I, I remember thinking, oh, at last, someone's listening. You know, someone's listening at last. Wow. Um, and really, the reality is, is he knew, he knew. Yep. And that agenda 2030 and whatever else they call it is real. Um, and he said, he openly admitted it's above my pay grade. This was Sir Graham Brady. Wow. Yeah, I can't well, believe he was that forthcoming, but he was, and um, I, I don't doubt. I mean, he's stepping down now, so perhaps he's been carpeted for it. Fauci's still walking around. That's what I want to know. In a land, in a land full of guns. Yeah, it's uh, not that I would yeah. want to incite anything, but it amazes me. You know, um, yeah. Uh, hopefully, that they were investigating. Dave, this is your your country. Yeah. What's going on with evil? Fauci? Oh, absolutely nothing i mean that this is the same thing it's the same talk from the same politicians that do not have our best interest at heart they never have they never will and that's what we're trying to wake people up to the realization mm. if you can murder us and murder our children like that you've never cared about us and we really need to fix everything guys we well, understand the importance of america to the world and, and we see them systematically taking us apart just like they're doing everybody else because like you said the the war on the mind, you know, the dumbing down of America has been a, a complete success. And we're seeing the result of that now. Definitely. Um, certainly with the young men that are coming in record numbers, you know, they'll be happy with a lot less because they come from, play, you know. So, so... I, went, I went down to the shop just quickly um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, opposite Paint and Devon in the station. Mm. There's a shop outside. There's a guy with his Jack Russell sitting on a blanket, right, homeless. I went in, I went and bought him a coffee. As I'm walking out, these four guys walked in, six foot or late mid-30s, I'd say, late 20s. And I just thought, they're not English. So I went back in and they were asking the woman behind the counter how to use the mobile phones. And apparently they were the ones that the government had given them. How to put credit on mm. and um, how to put uh, money on their key meters. But I yeah. was told, I've been, I've been seeing videos that they've all, the flats that they get, They've already got five hundred pounds worth of gas and electric. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me tell you. Um, so I've got a contact down in Dover who lives on a steel hold boat, um, and he's ex-military, and he's been droning the Home Office compound um, down there for a long time. And um, what happens is, is when the boats come in, they've got serial numbers on them, so the, they're deflated. The engines are taken off the back, the outboards. They're strapped to pallets. They go on one lorry, a uh, British haulage firm, and I can name the firm. I'm not going to, but I'll, I can name them yeah, if I'm yeah, challenged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and those two lorries then go back to France and take those boats back on a ferry through the uh, channel. Uh, or uh, Yeah, back to France. But yeah, and he's even got footage of him loading them on and followed them back onto the ferry going to France. You know, so... so we got English people sitting outside homeless. Yeah. These are yeah. working... Hey, these, aren't, these aren't families, refugees. These no. are... These are men like, yeah of course they are yeah, of course they are I, i've had um people contact me i had um several people that are still in the military contact me and tell me they've told me where they're training them so it's officer ranks down to sergeant um and they uh are trained in turkey in uh antalya turkey and the east of ukraine 
and then they're ferried over to France or they're bussed over to France. They sign the Official Secrets Act and then they're sent over on the boats and they're escorted over. And the, the reason the reason they well, the reason they do it is because in these small boats under maritime law, which is which everything is run, they're lost at sea and they have to be picked up once they're in the English Channel. So the French send them halfway, then the RNLI pick them up, you know, and everyone donates to the RNLI so they can do that. <laughs> over here same basic thing yeah they figured yeah. in the armor that's right well that's why as a funeral director i won't support them anymore that's right that's right wow what an amazing thing what an amazing show this has been so what's next well john we're gonna um we need to check in so yeah. you know october yeah october. i make uh i make a prediction i think cash is going to go before christmas um i think it'll be on the back of the fall of the dollar um, and they'll probably blame Putin in China and, and all the sheep will go, yeah, we've got to beat him. Let's go digital and get a digital ID. So we're all safe. Problem solution. And I think that's mm. going to that's gonna happen before Christmas. And that's going to be a really, yeah, really big point. Yeah, I've been told by um, I, I, that was suggested to me by an MP. That's what I will say to you. Well, I'll, I'll up you one. They're going to offer some free Christmas money to go ahead and switch over. Yeah, they're going to offer. Oh, they'll be dangling carrots and they'll yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of gradually oh, want to I think it's all going to fail. I think in the end, it's going to go back to gold. I think I don't see a do. It's got to. It's got to. Yeah, it's probably going to end up being the good thing. It's going because... to go for a hard time, I do believe, this winter. Yes. I think this, we're going to, whatever goes on, I think will be the real mass awakening. Yes. It's, it's trickling in. Something's going to happen and people are going to say enough is enough. Well, and I think. I do believe we're going to have a great revival as well. Oh, we are. Oh. After, when these people have been beaten back and they're in the shadows right. and in the various... It, pr they'll be in the prisons they've built for us. It cracks uh. me up, like the New Age lot. They believe in Satan. They believe in satanic ritual abuse. Mm. They believe that people are evil. With the problem. I mean, I used to... I hold my hands up. <laughs> I was I'm very much like that. But then I realised, if you believe in state, how can you not believe in Jesus? Yeah, of course. I think we're going to have a huge, a huge revival. I don't uh, know definitely. I've, uh, there are places where it's already going on. Um, yeah, and I think it, in uh, that's the one thing about humanity that in uh, that the AI will never, ever predict or replicate is the love we have for each other and the love for God. Because we all know that we've come from a creator. Um, yeah. And we've been lucky, near, uh, lucky enough to be here at this time for this purpose. That's right. Dave, so that's what, do right. Say, what do you think? I think the devil's here to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you don't think that's what our doctors and politicians are in the business of, then you don't see which team they're on. And I appreciate you so much, John, spreading your information with us today. I'm going to give this to all our friends over on this side of the pond. And, you know, I just encourage people to pray for the survivors because the Bible's really clear. It says many will be deceived. That means most, and it says my people die from lack of knowledge. So let's save as many people as we can, but let's be proactive. And, and like I said, man, your compassion for people is commendable, and I appreciate your... I'll hook you up, you two, if you ever want him on your show, Dave. Yeah, please do. You can, um, by all means, give him my details. And and uh, one thing, very interesting you were saying about the knowledge, um, because it is mentioned in the Bible, and the other thing that comes to mind is Ecclesiastes one eighteen. Um, with sorrow, with knowledge comes sorrow, and with greater knowledge comes greater sorrow. Because I've learned so much, and I haven't liked what I've learned. To be honest that's with right. you, that's right. But you know, that's the reality of where we live, and the fact that we've been so complacent about yeah. what our job on this planet is, and that's mm. to honor God, serve each other, and 
when we get lost in that moment of me, 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 this mm. is where it leads the whole world to. It's not just my country, not it's just your country. No, so I've been on we've been on about the children you know this has been my thing I've been cast out no one wants to hear it yeah. oh don't bring it down you don't, I don't want to hear about the child abuse don't bring it and like to be silent this is why it go is going on and it's been going yeah, on so long and it's why this education in schools no yeah. one's calling it out definitely you know definitely. and we have to if you stay silent you are complicit now is the time i can tell you i've spoke to loads and loads of individual teachers who are sick and tired of what is going on loads of them have reached out to me so they're the they're all they've weaponized stupidity yes now, that's the thing and everybody um if you say anything you're deeply offensive be it anti-semitism islamophobia transphobia you know everyone is frightened of being honest why can't right. we? Why can't we be honest about what we're seeing? And as these people are financially plundering us, we openly. Have a generation of messed up people. You know the books that we're not going to go. We're not doing the children's life, but we will save this for another day because I yeah. will be here for another two hours. Yeah, so yeah. We'll <laughs> soon. Thank you so much for coming on. You're um, most welcome. How do people see what you're doing? You don't you don't put it out there. You go online now and again. No, I, I, do you know what? If anyone's got a podcast and they want me to talk to them, I'll gladly speak to them. But I don't charge any sort of fees. Um, obviously, I can't travel very far because I'm running a funeral home. So ideally, if you want to do a face-to-face, -face, here is the place I'm approachable. If I'm busy, I would tell you when you call. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. the, um, but I would always return a call, you know, and I'm a man of my word. If I say I will, I will. So, yeah. um, you know, yeah. by all means, anyone who doesn't believe and thinks it's a conspiracy and he's not really an undertaker, I can assure you I am. is <laughs> honestly one in a million. John O'Looney, thank you so much, darling. You take care. And God you, God. Lou. And please throw me over a link and I'll get it shared when it's ready. I will do, darling. Take care. Thank take you. Take care. So it's lovely, lovely to meet you, David. God bless you, my you, friend. Thank you, my friend. Look forward to talking to you again soon. God Bye, bless. Dave. Bye. Bye, John. Dave, how are you? Oh my gosh, just blown away. My pad is full. I've been writing the whole time. I cannot imagine that more of the world doesn't know what this guy's talking about. It's amazing. It's amazing. To, but the censorship's real. And you know, it's funny. You said nobody wants to hear about your kids anymore. Nobody wants to hear about my J6 anymore. And nobody wants to hear him talk about death anymore. But you know what? Those are the things we have to face. And Lou, I appreciate you having me on here today. We can talk mm. about Kim Kardashian. That's a good subject. And we can talk you know, about variant that's um, right as long as we're entertained and 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 you know entertained so living in fear so we don't leave our houses that's right that's right and i refuse like that my advice to people is to be bold be exactly. bold and, and just take back what's ours we have to do this like you said now is the time to be active and if you're not you have to answer for that later because people's lives are at stake and there is a judgment day. We all know this. So let's do what's right for the right reasons. And for the kingdom, Lou, that's the way we keep, we have to keep getting people back to the basics of the kingdom business that we're here for. And, you know, the further we stay away from that, the further down these bad paths we go. That's it. We do. We do. I just want to just ask you, what's the latest with January the 6th? Because we had uh, the QAnon shaman released. What's happening? Yeah all the people that you're supporting who are still locked up is you there know, any news yeah i mean there's there's some positive moments going on there there absolutely are we're getting points on the board with some of these judges at least in in the record aspect of it that they are you know uh letting these crimes take place so of course they're going to be 
responsible for that at some point. But, you know, now that Trump is an official J6er, we're welcoming welcoming him to the J6 family. Um, We're hopeful that, you know, with his uh, attitude that he has and everything that that in him fighting for his freedom, it will, you know, inadvertently even help the rest of the J6 hostages. And and we've got some legal remedies that we've actually been working on for quite some time now. And and I want to tell you, we've got our latest movie that's going to be coming out. And right now the title is J6, A True Timeline. But I'm thinking about naming it Patriots Day. I can't decide, but we'll figure that out. But it's going to be a timeline it movie. Be, it could be J6, Patriots Day, and then a timeline. Yeah. Yes, we may just do that. Because this has police, police body cam and uh, a lot more of the behind the scenes. It's not just the the wide crowd shots. This has conversations from police and everything else. It's going to be a, a real bone crusher. And, you know, we've we've just in, in closing here, we've offered the police around the, the Capitol on January 6th uh, somewhat of a, a reprieve. You know, we'll work with you if you'll come and blow your whistles really fast. But we want to let people know that after this movie comes out, all deals are off. We're going to show them the same mercy they've showed us, which is none. And if they're not going to stand for us and there's no good police left in America that will speak out against what the Capitol Police did to these innocent people, the brutality, then they're all in the same boat. And we're getting more and more vocal about that to let people know how disappointed we are. And, and I think that's the best way to put it in our politicians, in our law enforcement, in, in our in our system, our judicial system. It's just been a total, total nightmare, uh, you know, however many days of terror so far since January 6th. So we're ready for some closure. And I think in the next couple months, especially with Trump's deal, we're going to get a lot more answers to the questions people have been asking. Uh, any word on that Ray Epps? What's going on with him? Nah, same old thing. Now John Sullivan is rearing his ugly head up again. You know, whether or not he's he's going to be charged or anything. There's a lot of a lot of different questions. But, you know, it's all bait and switch because, like John said, people are dumb and they'll follow those rabbits. And they think, well, is Ray Epps important? How much time have we spent on Ray Epps in the last two and a half years where if we would have focused on yeah, the victims true. that were murdered by the police, we'd have more information. But they're all diversions by the lead propagandists that we see that are working these stories from the top for whatever powers that be control them for whatever money they get paid. And everyone else is just trying to tell the truth and set people free. It's a real struggle. We need all the help we can get at stophate.com slash support, or just go check out our website and share information. There's calls to action at stophate.com slash J6 to help these hostages and their families and Lou, I appreciate every time I get to talk to you on these things. This is beautiful. I know. What's your, because you've got a good following on Instagram and you've got your Telegram. Where can other people go and see all the stuff you're doing as well as, or or can they just go via the website and all your links are there? Yeah, they're all there. Go to stophate.com slash follow us. And we're on, oh gosh, 17 or 20 different, you know, social media platforms. I'm excited. My employee, Daniel, is a J6er. He's been in jail for the last 30 some odd days. He gets out Friday. And uh, we're ready to get back to work and finish this film up, get it out to the public. Are you going up and to pick him up? Are you going to go and meet him when he comes out? Going to Austin. He's about three and a half hours from me. So we're going to go down there and get him out and take him straight to get some tacos. He wants some tacos. So we're going to hook him up with that. I'm excited to see him, though. It's just really been, you know, as hard as it is for him, it's hard for the whole team when he's gone. He's a really important part of our team. And, and we cherish him. 
and appreciate his his courage. And and like we were talking about being bold, this kid has been bold. He stood up in front of the judge and gave statements that nobody else would say in court. And, and we're just so proud of him. He's, he's a true J6 hero. Can't wait to get him home. Brilliant. Dave, my favorite American in the whole wide world. You're so sweet. Thank you so, so much sweet. for coming on. And God bless you. God bless your wonderful family and obviously all the Stop Hate team. Absolutely. Lou, bless you and yours too, my friend, my sweet friend. It is always good to spend some time with you. And let's do this again real soon. It's been too long. It's been too long. long. Way too long. God bless you, Dave. Thank you so much. Love you. Love you. Love you more. All right. Bye. So that's it for today. Uh, We've got shows coming up tomorrow. I'm delighted. We're going to speak to some parents from Brecon to say what they're doing to challenge the campaign. Can't wait for that. Kat's going to be joining us there as well. So that's tomorrow. Um, LibertyTactics.co.uk for articles. Find me on Facebook, Lou Collins, or the Liberty Tactics page or Lou Collins radio show. I am so censored. Nobody sees anything that we're doing. And we've been doing this a long time now. I'm coming into 14 years, I think. So I've never been so censored or cancelled. And um, I just tried getting a PayPal account and they still remember me because they were, we were cancelled on PayPal about two and a half years ago and they still won't let me get a PayPal account. So, laugh. Anyhow, that's it for today. Stophate.com for the lovely Dave's content. Find all his social media platforms. Exposingthelie.info for Catherine's website. Clivedecarl.com for the shop. And obviously publicchildprotectionwales.com org for the latest we are going to be all up in london on september the 13th which i do believe is the first prime minister's question time after they come back from their summer break so we're going to be out there there's going to be speakers loads of people coming from around the country if you can get there book the day off and be there to show support and to save the children god bless everyone bye Baby, chill, don't medicate, just meditate You waking up now, well, baby, you hella late Educate, look at what's going on, let it resonate Accelerate, find your inner hunger like you never ate Agenda is to push the hate, separate and segregate Don't celebrate quite yet, the storm is coming, cue for heaven's sake Violence that they demonstrate, instigate and penetrate The values of our country and our God is what they desecrate My fighters ain't no featherweight Pulling out the seams of the fabric that they fabricate They feed us lies, manipulate Intimidate through fear and force Forcing us to sit and wait Till we come together, congregate, and then we liberate Praying that you give me strength to find some love amongst the hate Marching on these streets of blood Till I see the golden gates Troubadour and troubled souls One of God's servants Blades out, cut the grass till we see the serpent One day I hope you see the truth This puppet show stays on because of you
just digested Suspected something's going on but chose to just neglect it Deflected by some breaking news, oh we just accepted Expected just to fall in line and follow their perspective Don't question their objective, but I got a lot of questions How these kids molested but nobody's been arrested Read it in the testament, these children are protected So I'm fighting all these terrorists, both foreign and domestic Refuse to be directed, blind, not a sheep Only kneel to my God, so I'm dying on my feet uh, Silence when we speak, but there's violence in the street I've been rolling with the punches, I can't take it on the cheek uh, Drink from a glass half full, I'm optimistic People are sadistic, so vicious and malicious Praying for assistance to overcome my position Or I'm gonna start resisting and then I pray for forgiveness This puppet show stays on because of you fools We've been dancing with the devil way too long I know it's fun but get ready to pay your dues Get ready to pay.